Hello, and welcome to the Zurich Live podcast. My name is Ian Slattery, and I'm joined today by our Chief Investment Officer, David Warren. This investment podcast does not constitute an offer and should not be taken as a recommendation from Zurich Life. Advice should always be sought from an appropriately qualified professional. The Zurich Life podcast is available to download through the SoundCloud app and also on zurich.ie. You can subscribe through both iOS and Android, which will allow you to download and listen offline. Good morning, David. We might just quickly recap what our views were at the start of the year and how they've evolved year to date. Morning, Ian. Um, at the start of the year, expressing the outlook and, and the start of year webinar, uh, we were generally positive towards equities. That had been the position for the last couple of years as it happened. Um, we thought in absolute terms, equities were, were okay, maybe slightly expensive compared to, to history, but broadly we were relatively comfortable um, with them in absolute terms. And then on a relative basis, which is obviously very important for asset allocation in, in managed and multi-asset funds, we generally felt there was still no alternative to equities. Um, you've got very low yielding uh, government bonds, uh, particularly in Europe, um, low yielding uh, credit universe as well, especially in, in, in Europe, and zero or negative um, short-term interest rates. So from that point of view, we were very happy entering the year with a high equity weighting. We had touched down equity slightly uh, a little bit in December, but we, that was really uh, a small adjustment we came into the start of the year high relative to ranges in, in, in equity content, and we were happy with that. As it turned out, um, the, the type of volatility that we you know, referenced, and we've been doing this particularly for the last uh, four years or so, just flagging the fact that after long uh, extended equity bull markets, which we've had since, since 2009, you will get periods of volatility our stance was a buy on dip one. Um, we were generally constructive or positive towards the medium to long-term outlook on equities. And on that basis, it should generally be a buy on dip mentality that applies. And that's what we really took into the start of the year. Um, there were obviously some issues that arose earlier in the year. We had the US and, and Iran. We had you know, general concerns still around US-China uh, trade, notwithstanding uh, some amelioration in the position, but that was uh, a slightly une- uneasy truce rather than a complete uh, cessation. And uh, you know that, that, that did play on our minds to, to a certain extent. Obviously, those things um, paled into, into insignificance then with the, with the virus crisis that, that arose. And David, what is the state of play for investment markets currently? So, Ina, as we said, the virus crisis obviously has eclipsed all other concerns year to date. Um, we've had a massive um, macroeconomic and hence financial market shock. Um, when we anticipated a certain level of volatility at the start of the year, this was not what we had in mind, which just uh, reinforces the view that none of us in markets um, have, have any forecasting or crystal ball ability. Um, so the state of the play of the markets currently is it's similar to what we referenced in the two webinars we've done in the last six weeks or so. Um, we, we did those at a, at a time when I think the crisis and the sense of panic were, were at their peak. Our stance expressed in those webinars was basically that we thought uh, that the virus would be relatively short-lived without giving any particular duration to that. But 
Probably more importantly, from a financial market point of view, we felt that there would be massive and ongoing policy support from the major central banks and governments to ameliorate the macroeconomic shock that we were um, beginning to experience at that point. And really, you know, it, it kind of relates to a, a phrase that's used in the markets, don't fight the Fed, which is basically that investors shouldn't resist uh, the direction that the central banks want to uh, direct things to, whether it's, you know, higher interest rates to slow the economy, lower interest rates to boost the economy, or underpinning asset prices by various policy measures. So don't fight the Fed is, is a mantra, is some a cliche that's been around for many, many years, but I think it's an important one and one that we pay attention to. So look, we express that in fancier terms by saying, you know, massive policy support. And that's what we suspected would happen. We saw some signs of that, but we have really seen that ramp up very, very significantly in the last number of weeks. And that's been the big change um, since we, we, we had those webinars. Um, you, you've also had, to be fair, some positive developments in relation to the virus itself. So that's really what's happening at the moment. Investors are still struggling, however, both with the, the virus data, because that fluctuates from day to day, uh, notwithstanding that people are trying to extrapolate trends by, by looking at the uh, longer term data. Now, added to that is really the important piece of the, the policymakers' uh, support. So what we've seen as a result of that is a very, very substantial rally uh, from the low point of equity markets. And we have, as always, been active across our portfolios since the outbreak of the COVID pandemic. What sort of moves have we been making? Well, I would agree we've been active. We've certainly been, uh, from an asset allocation point of view, the, the, the quantity of equities and other assets in managed and multi-asset funds. We have been... Um, inactively active, right? So, so a slight contradiction in terms. But one of the things we were keen to impress uh, when we had the, the, those webinars over the last number of weeks was to say that there are times, not many, but there are times when events happen in the markets which are so quick and so dramatic that the right thing to do from an asset allocation point of view may be to do nothing or do very little. So look, for whatever reason we came in, uh, reasons we thought were valid, we came into this crisis with uh, relatively high equity contents. The thing, the precipitous fall happened so quickly, we felt it was the wrong thing to do uh, to sell out at that panic point. So from an asset allocation point of view, that's what we've done. I think it was the right thing at the time. It's turned out to be the right thing so far. Um, but history tells us that that's what really you, you should do. Now, in in the absence of the policy stance and, the, and the, the massive policy support from governments and central banks, it would have been the wrong thing to do. But we've had a very clearly established pattern over the last uh, three decades of increasing central bank and government intervention in the financial markets, effectively putting a floor under financial asset prices at times of uh, difficulties or crisis. Within portfolios, um, we had we had made changes in the last number of months, particularly you know increasing the growth tech technology quality um, aspect of our portfolios even further. That had benefited portfolio performance last year, feeding through to managed and multi-asset fund performance. And again, since 
the start of the year, even before the crisis, it was clear that, you know, those trends were continuing. So-called value stocks uh, continue to be uh, disregarded by investors. Uh, there's a, a greater focus on um, growth, strong balance sheets, etc. Now, all of those factors have been accentuated many times since the crisis started. We've been lucky or fortunately positioned in the sense that uh, many of the, the um, individual equity portfolios had already been positioned that way. Um, the other aspect uh, of surveillance by the portfolio managers in particular is earning, earnings expectations. Now that is uh, clearly uh, an issue in 2020 where the visibility on the macroeconomic outlook is so, is so opaque. So basically nobody has a clue uh, what earnings are going to be in, in, in 2020. And effectively, and I think this is this is the right, effectively the way the portfolio managers are thinking is 2020 is, is a write-off. Uh, the market has quickly moved to thinking in terms of what 2021 earnings may be like. And uh, I think that is that is the right focus. But But clearly visibility on that is still very lacking. So, David, there appears to be a short-term disconnect between equities and the global economy. How do we attempt to square the market recovery in recent weeks with other developments, primarily the continuing toll of the virus and deteriorating economic backdrop? Yeah, look, I've already, you know, mentioned the virus a couple of times, and and as as a factor in 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 financial market considerations, and that sounds pretty, um, say, almost inhuman, but. That's the way the financial markets are operating. They're looking at the virus mainly from the point of view of of another variable into their into their into their consideration. So we we have to adopt that that stance ourselves if we're going to get the best outcomes for for our funds. But nonetheless, there does appear to be a clear disconnect um, between the idea of equity prices recovering, albeit after a very uh, significant fall, and the continuing you know, a situation within the macroeconomic uh, environment. Equity markets are always forward-looking and investors are always trying to discount. They'll discount bad news, sometimes excessively, and they want to discount the, in this case, the peak of the virus, the uh, return to some degree of normality in the macroeconomy, and the return to profitability for companies. Now, equities, which is something we've been keen to to emphasize, particularly in the last number of weeks, reflect a stream of earnings over the lifetime of that company. It's not all about one year's earnings. So we can see dramatic falls in earnings driven by the macroeconomic shock. That shouldn't be reflected into the same proportionate fall in the company's share price. So equity markets, in short, are forward-looking they're discounting mechanisms. So yes, there is a disconnect. Um, the assumption from investors is that the virus will be contained, will be relatively short-lived, think that's right, and that then you can begin to look out to uh, a return to positive economic growth in 2021. That translates into you know sales and profits becoming positive again for companies, and those are the un- underpinnings for equity prices. Okay, and so even despite the economic backdrop at the moment and some of the GDP figures that we've seen, we wouldn't have a feeling that equity markets are being overly complacent at the moment. 
I wouldn't say overly complacent. I mean, the line that we've been using, and I think it's the one we've uh, said at the webinars, is the line of least resistance uh, for now certainly is upwards in equity. So so we, we expect equity prices to rise further. Now, that's the line we've been using and uh, internally quite a, quite a lot in the last few weeks. And part of our standard process, and we've expressed this many, many, many times over the years, is whatever we think ourselves, we always want to check it against the market. Now, the key in the market is, is price developments. So the market push upwards will, will drag people into this market. We may get to a point where there is complacency. We may get to a point where there is a greater or an excessive, in our view, disconnect between the possible trajectory of the economy post the virus um, pa passing its worst and what equity prices are reflecting. Uh, as of now, we think um, the, the evidence keeps us in the markets with our equity content. Um, as I say, the line of least resistance, I think, is, is an upward one. People will be pulled into this um, and drawing down their cash, becoming a little bit more positive and so on. That may la lead us to a point of complacency, but we don't think we're there yet. Okay, and finally, equities garnered the most attention as an asset class. But what are our current views on not only allocations to equities, but also to other asset classes? Our stance on government bonds, particularly uh, European government bonds, has been you know, on the neutral to negative, I guess, in the last um, couple of years and closer to the negative, I guess. There is a point where if you're you're buying into negative yielding asset, like you really need to be pessimistic on other assets for that to be a, a viable uh, in, in investment. And we, we felt certainly for managing multi-asset funds, they're, they're far better alternatives than negative yielding uh, European interest rate markets. Up to the start of the year, uh, in terms of European credit, we had expressed um, um, a positive position towards very short-dated credit, which we thought was a good substitute for negative yielding cash or negative yielding um, short-term government bonds. We thought we'd get an opportunity at some point in the cycle for, for more medium-term uh, European corporate credit. Uh, again, as I said earlier, didn't anticipate this uh, virus and macroeconomic crash that has unearthed some opportunities, we believe, in some more longer-dated European credit exposures. So we're, we're, we're certainly looking at that at the moment with a view to deploying it. And then from an equity point of view, uh, we maintain our position, um, high equity levels, uh, top of ranges in managed and multi-asset funds. We're happy to be there for the moment. Um, but as I said, in relation to the last question, there may become a point where we feel markets have run too far uh, into that complacent or overbought zone, uh, a zone where we feel there's just not enough, um, say, buffer or insurance premium compared to the macroeconomic risks or the macroeconomic environment. So at that point, Despite having a, a, and maintaining a, a medium to long-term constructive view on, on equities, particularly U.S. equities, uh, we may reduce some exposures. And uh, one thing I would say is that that medium to long-term positive constructive view, which is basically saying there's a structural bull market in, in global equities, but that, that has been centered on, on the U.S. market, which is a huge two-thirds of global equities. That view has been there for some time. It was there 
at the maximum point of of, of panic in 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 the recent um, equity market crash. That's what we express at webinars. And if equity markets were to run up further from here and then then come back, we'd still have that same view. Um, that's a view that has a longer term horizon. There are reasons for that, and they won't be, um, you know negated by uh, one year's uh, macroeconomic shock, even one as severe as the one we're experiencing. So look, our, our stance at the moment is maintain our equity weightings. Uh, we, we, we believe that markets could run further if they get to the point of excess exuberance or complacency or people have committed all of their cash, they're, they're p positioned very favorably towards equities. That may be a point at which we might actually look to reduce um, our, our equity uh, component. But that's likely to be for a relatively short duration, and it wouldn't reflect a negative medium to long-term view. But it is something, I think, worth flagging. Um, we, we are active managers. We have very wide ranges in some of our funds, and, and we can utilize those. We happen to be very high or up, up right at the top of some of those ranges at the moment. but. I'd be comfortable bringing some of those down, even relatively significantly, for a short duration. But for now, I think we're 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 maintaining a, a positive stance. But just bear in mind the fact that, as active managers, we can make uh, reductions in equities as well. Some could be significant. If we change our mind in terms of the medium to to long-term structural positive position, like we'll 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 communicate that very quickly. But any reductions that we you, you you might see coming through in terms of our funds will be uh, for now for for shorter duration tactical reasons. Well, that brings us to the end of this podcast episode. Thank you, David, for joining me today and for providing us with the update. And also thanks to you, our listeners. If you found this podcast useful, please subscribe, rate, and comment. As always, for more information on our fund range and to catch up on the latest investment news, please visit Zurich.ie. Past performance is not a reliable guide to future performance. Benefits may be affected by changes in currency exchange rates. The value of your investment may go down as well as up. If you invest in these funds, you may lose some or all of the money you invest. Zurich Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland.